0: Hi, folks, and welcome to another episode of Leadership Tales podcast. This is a fascinating uh, episode for me. Um, passionate about the, the content of John Alexander's book with Ariana Conrad, um, called Citizens. Superb book. Uh, it's this working into concepts of three stories that we've seen in our time. One is the story of the subject and being told what to do and in our place. The consumer story which for the last probably 60 to 80 years has been rife in our in our world and life and then he's moving to this construct of the citizen story which is relevant now about getting involved collaborating about the interdependence the purpose participative creativity facilitate and there's some strong resonant pieces here to leadership to organizations so well worth a listen to this conversation today and i'll look forward to hearing your feedback Great. So, what you're having built?
1: We bought a funny house that's a bit of a rambler back in May 2019, and thought we were going to start the work immediately, and then and then basically, obviously, didn't because we were in it all the time, and uh, so now now we're just just yeah, it just basically it was a it's a funny house that's divided up into three separate living quarters because the people who lived here before us didn't like each other. And we're getting divorced. And so it actually worked really well during COVID because we both had entirely separate working space and stuff. But now we're like, well, we actually quite like each other. So it'd be quite nice it's to... Together. Yeah,
0: exactly. Maybe if you could just keep it as a construct, just in case.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Insurance policy, yeah. <laughs> in case I go off you,
0: yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's actually, I'm with you because during COVID, two daughters, my wife and I, and we're lucky we have a house that we can separate. So this became my cave. This, this is the place I hung out. Um, and occasionally the girls would sneak in and go, why do you get a separate cave? Where's our cave, you know, to, to, to play? So, so they've now created theirs. But they're just about to leave home. Well, the eldest one is anyway. So, so I've got my cave back. So, yeah. Anyway, I'd love to uh, just dig in, John, because maybe just a, a background for the listeners about who you are would be brilliant. Just give us a flavor.
1: Yeah, so um, my name's John Alexander. I'm the author of a book called Citizens, Why the Key to Fixing Everything is All of Us, which is very ambitious, as is my want in this world.
0: Said with a radio voice as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and I uh, I guess um, maybe the best way to introduce myself is just to say I, I, I began my career working in the advertising industry for about a decade, sort of fell into that world really, and then have been on a big journey really of asking deeper and deeper questions about what the role of those of that industry of the and of the underlying story that that industry is sort of rooted in what the impact of those really are in the world and what what that work really is and 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 going down a rabbit hole and coming out the other side going, well, what would it look like to use the the sort of skills and passions of, of the creative industries, but to involve people in the world and and sort of build people's invite people into their agency rather than just to sell them stuff. And I think that's, that's really my the sort of the, the, the very short version of the journey, as it were, the journey,
0: the journey. I love it. Cause it, Tim Brown's in the inside cover of the book and it, he and I had a, an interaction where he was speaking at a conference and I said, so we do all this design thinking piece, collaboration, training, and, and then they go back to their organization and it dies because the, the, the culture is wrong for them to start to work. And he said, wouldn't it be great if organizations were project-based and that would allow them to be on projects to do the design thinking?" But a lot of what you write in the book is about collaboration. About that, that space. Tell us a bit more about that and how that came about.
1: Maybe just to set out the, the underlying framework that I, that I put forward in the book and, and say a word about why I wrote it. I think we're living in a moment in time when actually quite a fundamental shift is taking place from subject to consumer to citizen as the story of the individual in society is the, is the sort of underlying framework of the book. And that concept of the story of the individual is a really important one to me and in my work so the subject story essentially says that the right thing for us to do is to keep our heads down, to do as we're told, to get what we're given on the basis that the God given few who run society know best. And they will therefore lead us to the best outcomes for society as a whole. So that, it's, it's, it's a hypothesis for how the best outcomes for society as a whole result. It's, a, it's an idea of what the good is. And it's really the subject story is a is a bargain of protection in return for obedience, uh, the provision of certainty and, and, and safety of a kind in return for kind of not asking too many questions. And that story... For a long time was actually the dominant story in, 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 in human history, I think, and in, in human society, right up to the end of the 19th century, beginning of the 20th. It's, a sort of, it's the imperial story um, in many ways, subjects of the king. And so that story is is rising again in these in these sort of quite uncertain times in these chaotic moments, and and we can see it very very obviously in in the kind of strongman leader um, to to some of what we might talk about in concepts of leadership, uh, in in Putin and Trump and Johnson to some extent arguably and and Modi and so on like that and this is this is rising again. The second story is what I call the consumer story, and the consumer story. Came to dominance in the aftermath of the two world wars and, and through the second half of the 20th century. And the consumer story says the right thing to do is to pursue self interest. Mm-hmm to look out for number one to choose the best option for you from those that are offered on the basis that and again it's a hypothesis about how the best society results on the basis that if everyone pursues self-interest then that will add up to the collective interest that will sort of automatically result it's the kind of invisible hand or or those sorts of metaphors the Milton Friedman thing of the social responsibility of businesses to maximize its profits is a is absolutely a kind of consumer story. I remember studying that yeah right there you go and like I say I think that became that rose to dominance in the aftermath of two world wars and, I th- and and there were some sort of amazing gifts of that versus the subject story it's a very liberating story it puts much more power in people's hands but I think it's it, it's, it's been the dominant story for the last 80 years or so and now it but it's crumbling it's really falling yeah. apart it's reaching that its own contradictions are breaking it the, the, we're, we're, it's a story that sort of provides a metaphor that society's a ladder you climb and and yet like, we have pervasive inequality that's sort of stretching further and further apart and, and, and can't function. It's a, it's a story that says that the right thing to do is to acquire and to improve one's material standards of living, and yet we, we have an ecological crisis which simply can't sustain ever-increasing material consumption. And, and maybe most most profoundly, it's a, it's a story that, that sort of implies that we're all individuals, that we're atomized, that we don't need one another, that we're in, independent... And we have a, a crisis of loneliness and mental ill health. And these crises are actually symptoms of the underlying story. They're, they're, they're not, they're, they're, I love the phrase, they're features, not bugs, right? Like they're not, they're not <laughs> yeah. little problems that we can iron out. They're, they're like, they're sort of built in. Yeah. Uh, and so, so you've got the subject story, consumer story. And then the, the third story is what I call the citizen story. It's a story that I think I'm arguing in the book is actually much truer to humanity and, and, is, and lies very deeply in who we are. I, I argue that we're citizens by nature, actually, that we are collaborative, creative, caring creatures who can and want to shake the world for the better if given the opportunity to do so. And, and, and the citizen story, to sort of give it the parallel structure to the subject and consumer, the citizen story says the right thing to do, actually, is to get involved, to share your ideas, energy and resources to the pursuit of the best society as a whole. And to invite others to do so. And the challenge to leaders particularly is to facilitate, to involve, to convene, to to tap into that power. Like I say, the moment in time we're living in I think is one where all three of these stories are now in play again and you can see it perhaps most powerfully in the context i've already mentioned putin but in the context of the ukraine and the the war there so putin is very much the kind of subject story the kind of make russia great again the great father of the nation the kind of the the do as you're told and we will and and the the western sort of response has been quite consumer story i would argue sort of economic sanctions we will sort of win this war by without having to have consequences for us at home and we will trade our way out of it kind of thing in the ukraine response that the zelensky led response that the kind of has actually been a very citizen response it's been to say Mm -hmm. like uh, there was a one moment um i think it was a couple of days into the war zelensky made a speech in russian he opened the speech by saying i'm speaking to the citizens of russia not as president but as a citizen of ukraine as a peer and an equal And he said, I I want you to understand what's going on. I want you to know for real, because I know you wouldn't be part of this. I know this isn't you. So very different to the kind of great man speaks to great man. He just spoke directly underneath and and then he turned in the most powerful moment to my mind he turned to the citizens of the world and he said like i need your help to get this message to the people of russia to the citizens of russia because it will be censored and not this didn't get hugely reported there was this wave of creativity that kind of responded to that the anonymous collective declared cyber war on on russia and took russia today's websites and things offline there there were people using um airbnb to make donations to ukraine there were people using um Google Maps and TripAdvisor to post accurate information about the war on as restaurant reviews in St. Petersburg. Like there was this whole <laughs> thing of like this is what Zelensky sought to do was give everyone a role, mm. which is quite different to the the what Putin seeks to do is tell everyone what to do. Yeah. And what the Western response I, I I still believe, and I think we're I think it's a wor- a major worry is to sort of say, Shish little people, you just go shopping, we'll mm. sort it out. And actually, everything will come down to economics in the end. And it's yep. like, and those three stories—I think it's a really clear kind of um, manifestation of those three stories being in play, and and three styles of leadership as well that I think are. Uh, really need to be looked at and thought about because uh, we're going to need a different kind of
0: leadership, I think, to really get through this moment. It's interesting you say that because one of the things that's in our work we're getting is James Clear's Atomic Habits. We don't rise to the level of our objectives. We fall to the level of our systems is his mantra. And therefore a lot of our work now is how strong in the different systems as a leader you need to survive. If you take that up to the worldview, all of these stories you're talking about the subject story the consumer story the citizen story they're overlapping in terms of their their impact but nobody has divine right to actually look at the overarching systems and create them so we've got to find a way even in an organization to go back to the tim brown piece about collaboration of getting the overlapping projects and other things to connect uh, in this so there is a leadership organizational piece that comes into this as well
1: absolutely and and to your like i think both those those ideas that you've brought you've brought in with both so powerful sort of relate to the same thing like if we are if we organize ourselves in hierarchies or bureaucracies those things uh, as, which sort of speaks to what tim brown and, and you were talking mm. about then People's agency is diminished, right? Like yeah. people in a hierarchy, people do as well. are told. I think hierarchies uh, arise from the subject story, an idea of whoever is on top, whoever is higher knows better. Bureaucracies arise to a large extent from a consumer story and, and a kind of an idea of like the service provided, the uh, the the thing to be done and, and that there are rules to, to be followed. I think, and, and what we what the citizen story might offer is kind of networks and, and ecosystems, yeah. and kind of and and prog- more project-based organisation. There is a sort of radical act of trust needed in that, where it's where it's sort of holding spaces and enabling work. And, and maybe the other thing I say to you is just to what you're saying about systems dropping to the level of systems, which I think is exactly right. One of the thinkers I've drawn most on in the, in my work is Donella Meadows. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, the sort of grand godmother of systems thinking, arguably, and 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 particularly her wonderful essay, leverage points: places to intervene in a system. And, and what she did in that essay was basically list out the in in ascending order of of, of impact the, the points at which she. So she talks through sort of feedback flows and and structures and and where she arrives um, as the as some of the most effective or the most effective place to intervene in a system really is the mindset out of which the system arises yeah. and and she talks about mindsets and paradigms as the sources of systems and th- this is what I'm, I think this is what I'm talking about when I talk about subject, consumer and citizen they are they are mindsets, they are stories, they are paradigms out of which all of these structures then arise if, if you see people as if you live in a story that people are subjects then of course you build hierarchical organisations if you, if you live in a story of people as consumers then of course you see Leadership as service, and organisations as service providers. Everything becomes a service provider if people are consumers. If you yeah. see people as citizens, if you see people as active participants, if you see people as sources of ideas and energy and resources, then of course you see your role as being to facilitate and convene. And you see this organisations as much more fluid entities, as much more kind of as networks, as more informal. That is the challenge, and and it, it, it's really it's funny because when I When we talk about this stuff, and and so I run a consulting firm called the New Citizenship Project that that essentially we say, like, we help organisations treat people differently or or, or do better stuff because we think of people differently. If you think of people as consumers, the only ideas you ever come up with are transactions you have. If you think of people as citizens, you start by asking, what what are we trying to do and how can people help? And that work can feel quite threatening because in the systems we have today, the people who have... And, and it's interesting the language you use. The people who have risen to the top have done so by being very effective on the rules of the existing system. Mm. And they've needed to be able to do things for people. They have needed to. But like the very word professional seems to imply that you know how to fix something, right? You know better than the people, than the other people involved. And yet, mm. I think the moment in time we're living in demands. That actually a a kind of radical humility or something in this in this moment that that says actually um precisely because i am in a position of power my role has to be to invite others in and to to see that there are many kinds of expertise not to not to eradicate the role of the 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 knowledge that i myself have and am bringing to this or that the people who uh, are in senior positions already. They they have they have developed, but there is also expertise on the outside. One of my favourite examples of this is um, my business partner Irene. Um, and I used her story. I told her story. Used her story as horrible language. I told her story at the start of the book.
0: Used and abused her story. <laughs> exactly. I,
1: I exploited my business partner horribly. Um, but she. Um, so Irene. Irene um, lost the sight in one eye uh, through mm. a, a, an infection originally contracted through a contact lens and went through a horrible period of years of of like intensive therapies and very painful stuff and and her reaction to that was to become really a, an organizer to 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 bring together other patients affected by this to bring those people together with their clinicians to work together to co-produce information about the disease to to work together to produce communications campaigns because that's her professional background and i think that's so interesting because when I talk about this stuff, the, the, often the response tends to be, but there are situations where you just want to be told what to do. And and like the doctor-patient relationship is one where people might think that were the case. But actually even there, like in a, in a critical illness, yeah, of course mm. there were moments when, when Reen was just like, tell, tell me what to do. But the deeper story and the way that she really got through that, when she found agency in that, when she was able to, uh, and 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 actually when solutions started to arise was when she was when she was involved, when doctors Mm. stood side by side with her and asked what, what expertise are you bringing to this? You're bringing, and, and there were two. She was bringing the expertise of her own experience and the mm. understanding that as a patient, there are questions that you hold that aren't just clinical. Uh, they're about how to live with this, how to function on a day to day basis. And she was bringing also her professional expertise as a, as a. So she and I met working in the advertising industry. So she had deep communications expertise. So she had a she could play a role that the doctors could never fulfil on their own in pre- future prevention yeah. and that sort of that idea of leadership even in what you might think would be a subject space actually needing to be more citizen is really
0: powerful it's, it's interesting you say that because i go back to cotter we've got the pleasure of meeting and cotter's change theory was always burning platform first get the burning platform and then change will happen on the back end but when he spoke recently he'd changed that but what we're talking about here, so my grandfather, who was a professor of theology and a Church of Scotland minister, and wrote a number of books, but he got shot in the eye by his sister, not deliberately, I would say, air rifle when they were, they were kids. So he'd lost the sight of his eye. So he adapted his system through his life to rest. Lunchtime was always a rest period. He always looked as his eyes were his way forward. So there's a A thing about him adapting his life and his stories, and he said he was probably more creative in that space when he was just reflecting, his eyes were not working, closed, and thinking. So we adapt to our systems and leadership context. Do we need burning platforms like Ukraine and other things to change us? The question for me is how do we get to citizen without the burning platforms? And I think there's a way is what you're saying.
1: Interesting. I mean, my favourite story in the whole of the and all the research for the book is what's happened in Taiwan over the last decade. And maybe again, there is a burning platform of sorts there. But the, the, I mean, to skip to the end of the story, and if you want the full story, you'll have to read the book. But <laughs> yes, exactly. Ugh. Oh, cheeky plug. On sale now. <laughs> <laughs> a good retailer's near you. Um, <laughs> but the climax of the story, is, in many ways, is how Taiwan responded to COVID. And their COVID response, they characterized by the three principles fast, fun, and fair. This, by the way, was the most successful COVID response anywhere in the world. And they, um, so second lowest death rate after, only after New Zealand, but they never went into lockdown. And it it was entirely, and the reason they did was because the whole thing was a participatory effort. They basically said, we will get through this better. And this is unprecedented, like we have SARS, but it's broadly unprecedented. We don't know how to do this, but we do know we'll get through it better with the ideas and energy and resources of our citizens. And so fast, fun, fair, we're going to respond quickly. We're We're going to make it as joyful as we can to be involved in it. We're going to make it something people want to be part of. And we're gonna and we're gonna make sure everyone can be part of it. We're gonna be fair about it. And my favorite example, they did loads of high tech stuff because it's Taiwan of like crowdsourcing apps and these sorts of things. But they also the lovely example is they set up a phone line where any citizen could ring in with ideas for how the country's response could be better. Nice. Uh and the my favorite story in the whole work of the book was they they um a six year old boy rang up and said, uh, the boys in my class don't want to wear their regulation face masks because they're pink and they think that they're girly. So you need to do something to make pink face masks cool. And I think you should work with the baseball team because all my friends love baseball. And three days later, apparently, they had the little boy, the president, and the half the Taiwanese baseball team on a national T V press conference, resplendent in their pink face masks. Brilliant. And you just and by the way, the set off our wave of memes around the country of pink is cool and this uh, someone was like celebrating the Pink Panther came back as a like T V series of prime time and it's all this madness. And which is joyful, right? Like in the yeah. midst of this challenge. The reason I respond to your this burning platform prompt, like like yes, there is a burning platform, but it's not we have identified exactly the right problem and now we will fix it. Mm. In the book, I quote um, uh, Leonard Cohen's song, you know, there's a crack in everything and that's where the light gets in. I think it's more that. It's like the fact that things are cracking and breaking is an opportunity to step into something different. Without, uh, we're throwing quotes and references at one another, but i since the book came out three or four months ago and i've been going around to, uh, touring and talking to people and and thinking about it and the, the one thing i wish i'd put in the book <laughs> it's always the way mm. is um the Butminster fuller quote about his theory of change so he's fuller wrote you never change things by fighting the existing reality to yeah. change something create a new model that makes the existing models obsolete
0: yeah it's in my book
1: <laughs> I love it like burning platform makes you think like everyone has to be terrified or whatever and like so, everyone has to agree on what's wrong and no they don't they're, like yeah. maybe what the but the fuller quote says to me is like the work in this time is of creating the models and realities and, and processes and structures out of the citizen story and then and, and knowing that the cracks will appear again and knowing that all the work in this time is to be ready for that to the, the the really brave thing that the real challenge to leaders isn't to kind of fight the existing reality or try but is but is to acknowledge that this system that we have today the the, the what i would call the consumer story system that, that that dominant thing is broken and it will crack open again and the real leadership is to to step into the citizen story in advance of it becoming the because, because the only other option is collapse into the subject story. Yeah.
0: And there's a piece for me going back on here. So that New Zealand colleague, when I use this expression a lot, am um, sorry, an Australian colleague who gave me this, but he said, getting people to understand whether they own or rent their role is a key piece. And he uses the housing analogy if you own your house if you invest in your foundations the growth the value and other things if you rent it you're always asking somebody else to do the repairs the landlord or landlady and working in that that space but i think this is what we're saying here is that if we get people to buy into that role that even the fast fun fair first step is engage them yeah as a leader second is then giving them conditions of fast fun fair to drive something different
1: and, and then and then create those processes i work with this concept of the three principles of participatory organizations purpose platform and prototype you can take the boy out of advertising colin but you uh the alliteration remains firmly rooted in the boy i love it <laughs> but so there's a question that corresponds to each the purpose question is what are you really trying to do in the world like that's and, and often like i add to that by saying what are you trying to do in the world that's so big you can't do it for people you have to you have to do it yeah. with them, which is which I think speaks quite powerfully to the own or rent thing. Like, yeah, it's not what are you, what am I trying to do in the world that that I can like get you to do something for me as part of. It's like, what are we, tr- what am I trying to do in the world that I need you to take ownership of? I need you to be part of with me to feel like not just to feel like is yours as well, but to that is yours as well. And then the platform question is. What processes and structures do you create that make it meaningful and joyful to to participate to take ownership to use that to use your language and and I emphasize meaningful and joyful because i think and again like the, these stories become helpful because in a consumer story, often we're told that what we need to do to get people involved is make it easy and convenient yeah. and i don 't believe that like I actually think that's like you 've got often making it harder in some ways is is what you want to do but you've got to make it meaningful and joyful and then the third the third principle prototype is really just saying like it sort of speaks to where we're, where we just were this idea that you can't just sort of flip a utopian switch and transform the whole thing overnight but therefore what you have to do is is build the energy you kind of have to find starting points you have to spot where it already is and kind of and work with it and and grow it so yeah that that idea that a metaphor of owning and renting i think i have a, I have a faint reaction against it because it feels it feels quite transactional in some ways, but then i I really love the language of like buying into something rather than buying from. I think Ooh. is powerful and maybe this moment in time like a lot of what we'll find is, is we need to use we need to use metaphors that kind of arise from the from a kind of consumer language a consumer lexicon but but transport us into a new one i don't i don't know it's a, one of the things i'm most excited about at the moment and talking to several people who are involved in it is this is the rise of what's called the platform cooperativism movement Ooh. which is okay. Essentially, competitors to to think to the platform businesses, the the Airbnbs and Ubers of this world, we, the competitors to those that are owned by the participants, nice. cooperatively owned by the participants. So in Liverpool, there's a startup called People Eat that is competing with Uber Eats and these sorts of things that is using blockchain structures and and even a sort of a, a kind of a nicely they're actually making cryptocurrency mean something. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and, it, and using it for, for real kind of social purpose like and so if you like if you sh- if you buy through them you actually or, or if you're if you're a restaurant that provides through them you become an owner of it so rather mm-hmm. than the uber or deliveroo business model which essentially is kind of
0: exclusive and
1: yeah. it's and it's taking all of the it's sort of swallowing mm-hmm. all the energy in that system taking all the value the people eat model actually distributes that value and i think that sense of in what I would call citizen models, and I don't—I'm quite happy for other people to apply other language, but I think that distinction mm. is helpful. In citizen models, it's like the power and the value grow precisely because they're being distributed, yeah. rather than fighting over a, rather than fighting over share of of a fi, of what is perceived to be a finite pie, as it were. Yeah, it kind of grows the pie.
0: You've got to get into these things with these discussions one is knowledge speaks wisdom lessons yeah so the collaborative and that's jimmy Hendrix's quote which why he was saying that but the wisdom piece is about you've got to understand from persons so you leave your ego and to a certain extent your expertise at the door and you go okay so because thinking about that people eat is just brilliant for me because it goes to the food banks it goes to the other pieces you've got in there but it it feeds in so that's the first bit but the other piece is that when you get into thinking about leadership and you think ownership structures for any team or business, how can you get people to engage in something unless they are seeing something like David Brooke would say in The Second Mountain a renewed purpose, a renewed something that is doing something for somebody else? And this is why the great migration is happening, the great returns happening, because what they were sold is not <laughs> what they had. So there's something in here about starting small and using the ripples in the pond, which is what you're talking about.
1: I'm really interested. I'm I'm keen to sort of get your reflection on this, actually. As someone who's thought very deeply about leadership, I'm tempted to draw a distinction. So subject in in the subject story, leadership is command. Right. Like that's that's pretty simple. In a consumer story, I, I hear a lot of talk about the concepts of servant leadership, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I guess I have an instinct that actually servant leadership is more of a consumer story function. And that oh. maybe, what we're, maybe what we need in this moment in time is more kind of facilitator leadership. That, that actually mm-hmm. asks a bit more. Servant leadership feels to me a bit of a cop-out. It feels cool. to me a bit of a kind of no, no. I'm I'm just here to serve, and the sort of the inverting the pyramid thing that some people do. I, I like because for what you're what you're saying just there, I think to my mind feels right. It's like there is still, and I talk about it in the book as 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 a. Like this is really the edge of my learning in many ways. Like I, I'm really, i really, I played in the book with the idea of anti, uh, the concept of the anti-hero. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that isn't an absence of leadership, but it's a, it's a, it's a role of leadership that does demand that you are, are a holder of a purpose or a holder, but a deep humility to know that you're not going to be the one that, that delivers on that. But you're not a servant in the sense that you're not just sort of getting, you're not just standing behind or like you're not doing something for people. So Audrey Tang, who's the, the, the digital minister in Taiwan, when I interviewed her and I went pretty deep into this stuff, I asked her at one point, the people of Taiwan must, must really trust the government for you to be able to do this. Isn't that, isn't that the kind of key thing, like building trust? And she said, no, like, actually, we don't want people to trust government. We want, what we want is government to trust people. Lovely, and yeah, and she describes herself in in interviews. She's she, in one of the interviews with her. She described herself as a channel and a space holder and a champion, and I, and I'm just I'm just really interested in this language because it feels like there is a an a, I would a agree kind of, with her. There is a paradigm here that, of leadership that I I don't know if is quite caught hold because there is. It's too easy to make the distinction between sort of commander and servant as leader. And I think there's something richer than that. I don't know what you're...
0: So my realization was I was given the hero's journey as a construct. So it's the anti-hero that you were talking about, the hero's journey. And how do you make your people as a leader the heroes of the story? But to do that, you've got to be the guide. So there's a great guy called Donald Miller who has a business called Story Brand, book called Story Brand. But he says, look at your website and everything else and talk about how do you make the customer, the user, the hero of the journey. But to do that, you've got to engage with them. So you've got to connect with them. You've got to engage with them in a a place where they feel seen, heard, recognized, understood, or other things in there. And then you've got a quest. So think Lord of the Rings, Frodo, all of those things, Harry Potter. But you've got a quest that you're going to take. And you've got to inspire them with a story where they see a part in it. Then you've got an energy that is personally driven. So a lot of this takes energy. And I loved your stories on LinkedIn about you know the little community groups, but those people who are running the community groups are the ones who've got the energy. Then it's about fresh ideas, facing good and evil, having the resilience to do it. And then it's about the learning and growth. But that is a, a hero's journey system. As a leader, you've got to be one, define servant leadership but coaching developing growing engaging on the other side you've got to use your energy as a leader to nudge people towards a direction and fresh ideas lighting fires under backsides as well as in bellies so that's what i started to get my construct in so leaders are important and they have different roles as guides in different places that's my theory
1: i like that i, like, I really like the shift of leader to guide rather than leader as hero I think that rings true. There's another kind of leader role that I'm interested in as well, which is, um, and it speaks again to the the Fuller quote, and it's this idea that there might be moments when... I think of them almost as sliding door moments. Like I think, yeah. I think the Citizen story is building and is manifest and is here. And 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 the and the and the like. We're, we're in severe danger of mixing too many metaphors and things. Yes. <laughs> but like, if you're
0: confused now, you soon will be.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but 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 the, the Citizen story is there and it will arrive. And and the, and the doors will open to it, and whether we step into it or not. The example I some I use, and the moment actually, the day I decided to write the book was the day that the message changed in COVID in this in in Britain. And uh, if you remember, so March twenty twenty, like we arguably reacted too late and all that sort of stuff. And then and then government brought out the, what, what I would describe as a very subject story message. So sort of stay mm-hmm. home, protect the NHS, save lives. Like, do as you're told, we'll, we'll sort it. COVID's an invisible mugger, blah, blah, blah. And that wasn't what was happening. Like, remember mutual aid groups, street WhatsApp groups, the NHS first mm-hmm. responder scheme, like over massively oversubscribed. And that energy was a citizen energy. Yeah. It's like we were working together to do it. And government had sort of become a bit irrelevant. And then, because they arguably reacted too late, the death rate started to climb. And then they had to change the message because the subject story couldn't hold. They weren't providing the protection. And the citizen story arguably was there. Mm. And the doors opened, I would say. But then... it couldn't be seen it wasn't visible enough we didn't have enough and so the door shut again and instead the message that came was a consumer story message it was stay alert control the virus save lives and which was essentially saying individual responsibility you go back to your lives councils go back to providing services stop helping each other eat out to help out or like it couldn't be any more consumer and the moment kind of got crushed and lost and, and so, uh, like, go back to Taiwan, like, imagine if in that moment the message had become, let's do this, like, yeah. we're going to provide the funding to help the councils that have started to work really collaboratively with citizens to carry on and embed that, we're going to, we're going to learn from one another, we're going to set up the phone line that, that they did in Taiwan, and all that stuff, that could have happened. Yeah. And, and the, the thing that was different in Taiwan, I think... Yeah, there are cultural... But I, the cultural stuff can be overemphasised. I think the thing that was... There was a moment uh, back in 2015, 2014, actually, when the Taiwanese government shifted dramatically, and and it was, a, it was the Speaker of the Parliament at that time who basically validated a, a, a protest movement. There was a protest against the trade bill that was going through, and the Speaker of the Parliament said like we need to listen to this we yeah. it was a bit like the occupy movement but the, the the speaker of the parliament chose to play a role that, that validated and acknowledged the protest mm-hmm. and i think in there is there is that in there is that as a challenge of leadership in this time because there will be those in positions of power in the existing hierarchies and structures and bureaucracies who need to get out of the way
0: or they need to so kerry evans are reading a listen to her book i couldn't Get yours on Audible yesterday. So, when I was driving down, I listened to Kerry Evans, and he's worked with the All Blacks and sport. And it's all about perform under pressure, is the title of the book. But he talks about red zone or red and blue. So, blue being cool logic, red being emotion and other pieces in there. But his whole argument is that leaders need, and we all need to be in a degree of red to move and change but it's that moment that we can balance the blue and the red in the moment as a leader to take us in there. So that speaker was saying, let's listen. Yeah. Now could have listened and gone. No. Yeah. But if they listened, then it's about, so what do we like? What do we pick out of there? And as a leader, when we had COVID suddenly people loved the fact they were home. Yeah. They had more family. They had more engagement for those who are working in roles that had to follow the sun around the world. They had no commute. They had all, but now we've gone back, we've lost all of that learning. So the citizen piece was removed and the organizations came in and went, this is how we're operating. So how do we train the leaders or all of us, because we're all the leaders in this principle, to do that? That's the key thing for me.
1: Yeah. How do we see what might be what's possible rather than reimpose a certainty is maybe the th- the thing that stayed with me most from the research for the book is a, a bit of theory I, i've stumbled across in researching th- therapy uh, actually there's a concept mm-hmm. called safe uncertainty a guy called barry mason was a family therapist and his he, his thing was that you need to distinguish between safety and certainty to really create a generative space because he says anyone who comes for therapy is either unsafe uncertain i'm bad and i know i am oh no sorry unsafe uncertain is ah i don't know what to do like panic yeah and unsafe or they're unsafe certain i'm bad and i know i am mm. and he says universally what people think that they want is is safe certainty tell me what to do to fix it yeah he talks about that being a kind of very alluring place for a, for a therapist to be because it sort of gives you so much power and responsibility mm-hmm. and and heroism and 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 he says actually the real thing is to acknowledge that safe certainty doesn't exist like yeah. there is only ever another another problem arises or another uncertainty or not and he talks about safe safe uncertainty is is standing side by side with someone and going like I don't know like we don't know there isn't there isn't a set answer there isn't a set path there is no fight sort of final salute like all yeah. we can do is stand together and I can help you be safer and, and, and support you to acknowledge you're not the only one who's faced this challenge and, da, 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 and, ex- and and support you as you explore it and I think that as a kind of metaphor for for the kind of leadership and the kind of mindset we need in this moment in time like I was watching the, the the Our Next Prime Minister debates the other night.
0: For those watching in the US, they've probably watched it with the same...
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. You. I mean, you can imagine it if you're watching in the US as well. But, like, the projection of certainty. Hmm. And you're like, just... just like, I, There's a radical honesty to this. That's like, we don't know. And I love that about the Taiwanese thing. We, that, that thing of, like, we don't know how to get through this. What we yeah. do know is that we'll get through it best... If we've got everyone on the pitch, right, like I the phrase all of us are smarter than any of us, I really love. And it's like yeah. that has to start by holding questions rather than answers, by not, by not going, no, don't worry about climate change. Just save some money and leave it to the innovators. No, like yep. acknowledge that climate. We are in a dire place and and. It is also true that we will get through it if we're all given agency, if we if, and if we all have an opportunity to contribute. That is so much more a generative place. And it's just like, why are we in this space of these people thinking they have to have the answers for us? Like, shut up. Yeah. You don't. Don't lie. Don't don't yeah. offer safe certainty because it's a false it's a it's a deep falsehood, way falser than whether you were at a party or not. I don't care about like what yeah. I care about is are you going to hold the questions with us as a, as a nation and, a, and as, a, as a world rather than pretend to have the answers?
0: It's the anti-fragile piece that comes in. I, I love the fact that the Center for Resilience in the US redefined resilience now as the ability to thrive in chaos, which is the same thing as Nicholas Taleb in Anti-Fragile said, the ability to thrive in chaos. What we've had is was in a deeply human way. So how do we thriving chaos in a deeply human way to work on which is your principle of citizenship to take it forward That's and, it, and
1: it has to begin has to begin by trusting in people by by yeah. believing that pe- everyone has a has a contribution that they can and want to make if you just make it possible for them to
0: you know I could talk about this for days and days and days <laughs> and I'd love to have you back on to iterate this further but John it's been a delight if people want to find out more about the book and you how would they find you uh probably the best place to start is uh, johnalexander.net my
1: deeply unheroic personal website <laughs> <laughs> um uh you can find me twitter linkedin i'm i'm pretty active so i'm sure you'll you'll hunt me down and um as you can hopefully tell i'm very keen to sort of see this as like a, a learning opportunity and 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 like i've put the put the book out into the world as a kind of I think, this is a, I think this is a useful way of thinking about it, but I'm really keen to bounce off others
0: and learn more. So, yeah, come yeah, find me. Yeah, definitely. And it's it, ending on the analogy, I did a speech recently and, and put the Jerry Maguire piece in. There's a manifesto for change, Sonia Novogratz, uh, manifesto for social change, but there's a piece in there about putting it out and getting the conversations going. You've certainly done that, so it's been brilliant to have you on. So, yeah, lovely to meet you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Wow. Yeah, I could have talked for ages with John uh, on that subject. And there's some resonant pieces here, not only whether you hold particular political views or you have a particular philosophy, but for the work that we're doing around, you know, leaving your shirts in a better place, better leaders, better humans. There's a piece around the citizens and the communities right around the globe from the story of Taiwan that he shared in that, right the way through to what we're doing in terms of the small ripples in the pond, as we start our work as leaders. So yeah, I'm sure, knowing the audience, you will love this. You will love the concept. It will provoke a conversation uh, for you, and recommend wholeheartedly to uh, to read the book, uh, Citizens. Thank you, John. I'll look forward to welcoming you back in another episode of the Ship Tales podcast soon.